Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If there's one thing Hollywood doesn't need, it's encouragement. You so much as let its various studios get a sniff of a bankable project and they'll have either James Franco or Sam Jackson down for a script read so fast your head will spin. In fact, sometimes they don't even need any financial reassurance and are happy to punt on pretty much anything if they can get enough star names attached. Not a single man, woman or Will Smith thought Gemini Man would end up making bank, but the whole thing seemed like too big of a laugh not to immediately pump $138 million into it. And yet a quick scan of your own DVD cases or bookshelves will tell you that the movie industry shouldn't be the dried up spluttering wasteland of creativity that it often feels like. So many glorious tales currently sit unadapted, so many incredible stories go untold and, in truth, a lot of already great movies are even going unsequeled. My name is Adam Cleary and these are 10 obvious movies Hollywood is stupidly ignoring. Number 10, The Prince Biopic. Now, far be it from me to invoke the ire of both Queen and Elton John stands, but when it comes to the seminal music industry biopic, we're ultimately playing kiddie games. Yes, Freddie Mercury and Reginald Dwight have led incredible lives, but they both pale into mediocrity when compared to a one Prince Rogers Nelson. Now famously, Prince, or the artist formerly known as Prince, or just the artist, or even that weird symbol, or just Prince, whatever, I don't care what you call him, was a very private person by the usual standards of a global megastar. Many studios have tried to put together something that adequately tells his extraordinary tale, but so far none have managed it. From teaching himself on both guitar and piano before he was even 13, to simultaneously topping the single and album chart in 1984 for Purple Rain and When Doves Cry, his journey from childhood to music icon is begging for a major Hollywood outing. I would obviously have gone for Bowie here instead, but Stardust is currently in post-production. Number 9, Torso, or The Untouchables 2. Not so much the case that Hollywood is ignoring this, as apparently a few studios have flirted with the idea of getting it made, rather they are ignoring how stupidly obvious it is to make. Torso, the Marvel comic serialization of the still-unsolved Cleveland Torso murders, is merely yet another astonishing, real-life case given to the now legendary detective Elliot Ness. Yes, the man Kevin Costner played in The Untouchables. Despite being the man responsible for putting Al Capone behind bars, Ness's career gradually disintegrated in the years that followed his transfer from Chicago to Cleveland. 
This personal story married with the shocking brutality of these murders and the manhunt orchestrated to catch the man responsible made for one of the 90s most critically acclaimed graphic novels. Having Costner return to the role wouldn't be historically accurate, there were less than 10 years between the two cases, not the 30 there have been in real life, but with a bit of creative license and some marketing as a quasi-sequel, Torso is an open goal for whatever studio gets it together. Number 8, The Silmarillion. Alright, so yeah, The Hobbit wasn't exactly great, but that's because it felt too much like some weird charity production featuring the stars of Lord of the Rings designed to get you engaged with a celebrity telethon. The sort of thing that Peter Jackson would give an enthusiastic thumbs up for on the night, but later say in interviews he was entirely in the dark about. However, that's no reason not to juice this creative papaya for every last drop of movie magic. Tolkien's greatest two works might now have made it to the screen, but in the Silmarillion is still enough fantasy gold to bring Middle-earth back for one final outing. It would be another prequel, yes, but one that's focused on building the world Lord of the Rings is set in, not merely retreading all of its own creaky boards. Split into five books and ranging from the very creation of the world itself right up until the second age of Elves and Men, which is where we pick up in the Fellowship's opening montage, the remaining mythology around Sauron and the wars fought to oppose him is some of Tolkien's greatest ever work. Number 7. Insomnia to get a movie off the page and into theatres, they normally have to meet one of the following criteria. A. Is it something that audiences will want to see? B. Is it something that will provide a return on the studio's investment? Or C. Is it just something that Stephen King has written? To date, something like 35 movies have been produced based on King's novels, and that's not even including the countless TV series, spin-off stories, and graphic novels that have used his daunting catalogue of IP. Virtually every one of his major successes has been co-opted for cinematic consumption, with only two very notable exceptions. They are Rage, which owing to its narrative of high school shootings is perhaps too hot for anyone to ever properly tackle, and Insomnia. Set in Derry, the same fictional town that gave us It and Dreamcatcher, the story centres around a man named Ralph and the many creatures he initially believes he's hallucinating. While not one of King's personal favourites, it's been held up as one of his more horrifying and suspenseful, with the plot effectively becoming a waking nightmare of cosmic proportions. Just sort of snip around all the ways it ties into the Dark Tower, and Bob is your auntie's brother or something. Number 6. Horatio Nelson Jackson Okay, I'm gonna level with you here. This whole video is just an elaborate slice of misdirection designed to let me make a pitch, nay a plea, to any reading movie producers. Please, I am begging you, make the Horatio Nelson Jackson movie, and please let either the Coen brothers or Armando Iannucci write the thing. It's one of the most piss-funny stories in American history. Long story short, Horatio Nelson Jackson was a man, a real-life man, who had just taken a bet. He wagered that a man could drive from one side of America to the other without spectacularly dying along the way. And he was going to prove it. The major hurdles to all of this were that 1. It was 1903, 2. Cars were little more than a giant engine with a seat strapped to the top, and 3. He'd never actually driven one before, and also there was no map. So he set off from San Francisco with nothing but a second-hand Vermont, a young engineer he coerced at short notice, and the only spare tyre in the entire city. The two-month journey remains one of the biggest farces in either automotive or just human folklore, and would make for the funniest film you would have seen in years. Look, if you're still not completely sold on this, then let me introduce you to Bud here, who is just a dog that they find on their travels, and they have to give him aviation goggles. Millions of dollars. 
Number 5. The Atori Trilogy Leanne Hearn's Atori Trilogy is unarguably, no at, I'll just, I will fight you over this, the greatest fantasy epic yet to make it into cinema. The five books and the core trilogy they contain paint an extraordinary vision of a fictional, feudal Japan complete with warring kingdoms and supernatural creatures. At their heart, a young man named Atori Tekio who goes from fleeing his burning village to changing the course of the entire world. While the book's decidedly Asian influence is likely what's kept it from getting a major production in the past, Hollywood's growing acceptance of that market means it's becoming an increasingly more appealing proposition every single year. That, combined with the visual feeling of Justin Kurzel's stunning adaptation of Macbeth, means that this will eventually be a critical and commercial no-brainer. Best of all, the way Hearn, whose real name is Gillian Rubinstein, created the novels means that Across the Nightingale Floor functions perfectly as a standalone movie. Grass for his pillow, Brilliance of the Moon, The Harsh Cry of the Heron, and the prequel Heaven's Net is Wide could naturally follow on if the box office necessitated it. Number 4. A C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien Buddy Movie not a lot of people know this, but C.S. Lewis, the legendary author responsible for the epic fantasy series The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, whose genius mind birthed the entire mythology of Narnia, and J.R.R. Tolkien, the legendary author responsible for the epic fantasy series Lord of the Rings, whose genius mind birthed the entire mythology of Middle-earth, were college roommates. Now, this might not be the bankable seven-figure box office smash that their respective adaptation stories were able to generate, but a buddy comedy of sorts that sees them developing their own ideas while doing all the trivial adolescent stuff like kissing girls and being sick in the bins has the makings of a comedy smash. The pair frequently referred to one another as each other's closest friend during the 20s and 30s, and even had their own informal literal club every week in an Oxford pub. They called themselves the Inklings, how adorable is that? Number 3. Invisible Man not THE Invisible Man. They already did a brilliant job of that this year, and <laughs> yes, before we get into this, that was this year. The Elizabeth Moss version was in theatres a mere two weeks before the world went insane, and it is thus my sad duty to inform you that 2020 has now gone on for approximately 15 actual years. However, Invisible Man is a radically different story, and one in this of all years feels finally ready to be told. Ralph Ellison's groundbreaking 1952 novel looks at the deeply complex social problems endured by African Americans of the time. From the national issues of institutionalized racism right down to the personal identity politics of what it means to live in this system. Specifically, that he can become invisible because the world around him elects not to see him. It's been called a masterpiece for over half a century now, but there's been neither the means nor the motivation to bring this extraordinary story of an unnamed black narrator to life. If there was ever a time for it, it is right now. Number two, Literally Anything by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, this is just a, a drum I beat a lot, but Guillermo del Toro is so unlucky that with a man to fall headfirst into a barrel of tits, he would come out sucking his own thumb. There is an entire Wikipedia page detailing all the projects that this man has been attached to, which for one reason or another, either simply haven't materialized or did so without his involvement. It contains 44 separate entries. For a flavour of this, he was approached to help write and cameo in It Chapter 2 last year, but his inclusions were all cut. He was lined up to produce Constantine for the DCEU until the whole project was just binned, and he has had such misfortune trying to adapt video game movies, he has sworn off the genre for life in order not to destroy anyone else's life, otherwise I'll join someone else's project and his house will explode or something. 
Despite all of that, the man is a visionary filmmaker. Blade 2, Hellboy and Pan's Labyrinth are about as strong a run of three films as it's possible to have, and even less acclaimed outings like Crimson Peak and Pacific Rim were resoundingly entertaining. Yeah, alright, he's doing Pinocchio next year, but it's still stupidly obvious that someone just needs to give that man a blank check and get out of his way. Number 1. Another Mad Max Movie These days, absolutely anything can get a sequel, irrespective of whether it merits one or not. Paul Blart, Hotel Transylvania, Sex in the City, not a single one deserved even a moment's thought after you left the cinema, and yet they were all immediately punted into development to consume an additional two hours of your life. Meanwhile, Mad Max Fury Road immortalises itself in movie history, reinvents an entire method of filmmaking, annihilates all the competition at the box office, and leaves us with major questions at the end, yet five years later, we're still no closer to getting another one. Now, yes, a lot of this is down to fees and rights and ownership and all manner of other petty behind-the-scenes wrangling, but the fact remains, right now, that movie is not being filmed. Plans to pick up the story with Furiosa or concoct an entirely new story for Max himself have all been mooted, but until the money men get out of the way, this is the film Hollywood is most obviously ignoring. Stupidly, I might add.